Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. A couple weeks ago, you heard from Jimmy Flores, who potentially contracted COVID-19 after a night out at the bars. Yeah, like, I freaking sick as a dog. Mm. And I'm constantly going to the hospital. And you heard from Kristen Urquiza, whose father died from the disease. My father ended up dying alone with only a nurse holding his hand. But today we're taking you to the other side of the fight against the pandemic. We're exploring the stories of healthcare workers on the front line against COVID-19. Healthcare workers are now also starting to test positive. Healthcare workers on the front lines of the COVID-19 crisis are working under extreme physical and mental conditions. So much so that experts say it could have long-term effects on them. We'll dive into the stories of two healthcare workers, a nurse and a doctor, to understand what they're experiencing and what they want people to know about their work. Well, I think that it's funny because I think at the beginning of this, everybody was like, go healthcare workers and you guys are amazing. And everybody was very, you know, supportive of, every, of everybody. Um, and I think that that um, is starting to wear off a little bit. I've been away from my family for three months. My wife and daughter are together and she's essentially a single parent right now. Here's producer Taylor Seeley. At the time COVID-19 started breaking news, Miranda Dunkelbarger was on maternity leave. She is an ICU nurse in Apache Junction, and with a newborn at home, she was in no rush to get back. And I think that if I hadn't had her, I think that I would have been a lot more gung-ho about going back to work. I would have been more of like a, like, let's, let's go out and bite this thing. Um, whereas I, it's brought a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear for me instead. She watched on TV and heard through the grapevine from other healthcare workers the horror her colleagues in New York and around the world were experiencing. New York State now has more reported coronavirus cases than any country in the world. Let that sink in. You know, when you're sitting at home and you're seeing everything, especially with with everything that happened in New York. This is a mass grave being dug for coronavirus victims at New York City's Potter's Field, where unclaimed bodies are laid to rest. Um, I, I just was very scared to go back. Other healthcare workers were concerned, too. Dr. Bradley Dreyfus, an emergency physician in Tucson, is one of them. A lot of us are really trying to fundamentally depoliticize the COVID-19 issue. This is a public health crisis. There's nothing short of that, and it potentially will cause the collapse of our healthcare system. What hit New York and Seattle first eventually made its way to Arizona. And when it did, Dr. Dreyfus said healthcare workers faced innumerable problems problems which he feels could cause irreparable damage to the industry. These were things like housing. Being able to house your healthcare workforce separately, away from their families, with supports. An issue made worse by pre-existing socioeconomic disparities. So if you have lower wage healthcare workers who are living in multi-generational extended family housing, where people don't have the ability to isolate or the ability to to really separate, what are we actually doing to our communities most at risk? 
There's also a lack of psychological support for frontline workers. We know just from uh, previous research and, and experiences with emergency situations, 9-11 being chief among them, that the psychological trauma that happens um, to have frontline healthcare workers is huge. And we need to find a way to, to help build some resilience. And then there's the problem of being caught in limbo as conversations about COVID-19 have become more political, as debates about when to reopen the economy or schools rage on, as mask mandates are questioned and challenged around the country, this has left many in healthcare feeling like they are collateral damage. Are they cared about? And are they cared about not just in words, but in action? in the form of using science and data to drive decisions that affect society? I think they need to feel like there's substantive support from the community, from their healthcare organizations, from the government, that we're actually using data, right? And that we're making good decisions and we're not just putting put in harm's way. This might include things like testing all healthcare workers, not just nurses and doctors, but assistants and cleaners and more for COVID-19 as frequently as possible. It could also be rethinking how hospitals design shift schedules. And, and, and honestly, like staffing for preparedness, not staffing for productivity. And we have to start thinking about healthcare as a team sport, which means you need people on a team to be training together, just like you would a, a soccer team or a football team or the military. We need to be structuring our workplace more towards even a deployment mentality. If we're gonna be at this for nine months to 18 months, right? We need to figure out how we rotate staff on and then off. So there's time to decompress. We've been in this high alert stress state, essentially being in battle for three to four months already. And it's absolutely exhausting and people can only do that for so long. To combat some of these problems, Dr. Dreyfus created a platform called HCW Hosted. HCW stands for Healthcare Worker, and its main focus is finding solutions to all these problems. We're now um, a formal organization and working um, as with a startup incubator accelerator to really build out a sustainable model for community-based pandemic preparedness and support for healthcare workers and families. When HCW first started at the beginning of the pandemic, it started out as a sort of scrappier Airbnb for healthcare workers. That way, they could find housing separate from their families to reduce risk of exposure to the virus. Dr. Dreyfus said that was helpful when the virus started infecting and hospitalizing droves of people in Arizona. As hospitalizations and deaths related to COVID continue to rise nationwide, Arizona's downward spiral stands out. Early hopes that the extreme heat would keep the Valley of the Sun safe from COVID-19 are gone. For weeks now, the greater Phoenix area has reported among the highest rate of COVID-positive tests of any place on the planet. Around the beginning and middle of June, it became abundantly clear that Arizona's number of coronavirus cases and rates of infection were heading in the wrong direction. This was around the same time Miranda had ended her maternity leave and returned to work. 
we started to um, take up more beds for COVID than we ever expected. Um, and it really started hitting bad. And that's when a lot of the anxieties and the fears and the nightmares that I had started coming back. It was like um, baptism by fire. You know, I, I walked in and they were like, oh, they're giving you a COVID on your first day. Ha ha ha. And now you have COVIDs every single shift. There's, I mean, there's no possibility of not having a COVID for the most part. As the number of hospitalizations hit record highs, Miranda had more patients to take care of in her rotation. And that was a lot to handle. Just, you know, trying to stay on your schedule of like every two hours you have to do this, this, and this for your two to three patients, you know. Um, passing meds, um, talking to doctors, talking to family members, um, setting up Zoom calls for my patients um, so that their family members can see them. Miranda said she's glad to at least be able to set up video calls, but she misses the time when families could come in and comfort their loved ones. That way, they could also see the process. They could see what she did for the patient, rather than having to explain it all over the phone. But it's heartbreaking, you know. They they get on the phone, they can't touch their family member, they can't hold their hand and say, hey, mom, I'm here for you. Hey, dad, I'm here for you. You know, you're gonna get through this. They have to look at them through a screen as I try to hold it above their head. And they're, they're just wondering, you know, why are they breathing like that? You know, why, why do they look like that? Like they, they aren't seeing the whole progress of the day. They're seeing a snapshot and they're not, they're not able to be there to comfort their family member. And it's just heartbreaking to, to hear some of the conversations that happen um, between those family members and my patients. And in the final moments, when family often can't be there, people like Miranda and Dr. Dreyfus have to assume those roles because you realize, you know, you're gonna be the one there when they're passing, you know, you're gonna be the last person that holds their hand for them. You're gonna be the last person that, you know, is able to be present for them. And I mean, that that weight is just huge. I mean, we're seeing a broad swath, including our younger population all the way up through our elder population. We had at one point three people in one family on ventilators. At another point, we had six members of a family admitted to the hospital. Dr. Dreyfus worries about the long-term consequences on society at large. This is just going to be devastating to the, to the community. And the long-term disability, that we have a total failure of imagination for what that is going to do to our communities, and then the psychological toll that this is going to take on our communities, because our communities are what drive the economy. For example, if small business owners who contracted COVID-19 have residual symptoms that affect their ability to work or function at the same level as before, Dr. Dreyfus said that can start a chain reaction that he fears could harm the economy as a whole. And he worries that PTSD or residual symptoms might also lead to fewer healthcare workers. People are leaving medicine. People are leaving healthcare. Because just like anyone else in the community, we're always evaluating what our own worth is, what risks we're willing to accept, and what our families are willing to accept. And when it becomes more risk than benefit, people switch gears or retire. 
and we had a workforce shortage to begin with. And so this is potentially devastating to the uh, Arizona and even national community. Marjorie Baldwin, a professor of economics at Arizona State University, was wary to the idea that there would be such disastrous consequences. Short term, um, I understand the concerns of healthcare providers. Long term, I think it really just depends on whether we get the virus under control. If we get the virus under control, um, and um, then I, I don't see any long-term impacts on the, the choices of people to enter the healthcare industry. Um, if the virus should spin out of control, if other viruses follow so that this just becomes the new normal and there are new risks associated with being in the healthcare professions, then we might see shortages, but what typically happens is um, wages will increase to um, compensate for the increased risk of going into that, that field. So essentially, if the virus gets under control, we'll probably go more or less back to normal. If the virus is long-lasting and it becomes something we live with, the healthcare industry may struggle in the short term, but eventually it will make its way back to stability. That could be in the form of higher pay for healthcare workers if it's considered to be a riskier job in the future. Of course, right now, we are in the short term. Healthcare workers are struggling. For Miranda and Dr. Dreyfus, they are in the thick of it. And what makes a hard day at work even harder is leaving the facility and entering a society in which they feel rejected. Both Miranda and Dr. Dreyfus said they feel there's a stigma against healthcare workers out in public. Things like getting funny looks at the grocery store if they're wearing scrubs, or when they see posts on social media that they feel politicize the disease and their profession. In fact, Miranda said she has had to delete Facebook a few times just to get her mind off of things. It makes me sad because I just, I just wish that people could understand, you know, what really goes on. My husband and I were joking yesterday. He's like, you know, if people want to not wear a mask and go out, then we should sentence them to come in and help us in short-staffed hospitals. And I'm like, yeah, that's brilliant because we're just struggling so bad. And if people could just, you know, help us a little bit, you know, just by just simple things, you know, we're not trying to control you. We're not trying to dehumanize you. We just want to keep you safe. And while being at home with her husband and newborn helps, she often worries about bringing COVID-19 home. At the time Miranda and I spoke, she had been back to work for about seven weeks and hadn't caught it yet. So she feels like her PPE protocols are working when she's in the room with her patients. But she is concerned about getting it from her coworkers or even from members of the public. Dr. Dreyfus shares the same concern, and for that reason, he simply hasn't gone home. I've been away from my family for three months. My wife and daughter are together, and she's essentially a single parent right now. And a lot of my colleagues are single parents, whether it be nursing or techs, paramedics, etc. Like it, across the board, how are we expecting folks to function at the top of their game in the clinical setting? If they have all these extra considerations without support, it's a real challenge. 
Exacerbating those challenges is the fear healthcare workers have of speaking up to their employers or speaking out to the press. I can confirm that several healthcare workers I reached out to for this episode politely declined to be interviewed for fear of retribution. But they echoed the concerns of Miranda and Dr. Dreyfus about being inundated and exhausted. And, and people are afraid to speak up, especially those who don't necessarily have positionality or are made to feel like they're easily replaceable, which in the last 10, 15 years includes all of us. Physicians, nurses, doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're a, a line item on a profit loss spreadsheet for most healthcare companies. This is where Dr. Dreyfus hopes that his organization, HCW Hosted, will pitch in by creating innovative solutions. But for as long as the virus is around, the public will also have to do its part. And reckoning with some people's refusal to wear a mask or respect social distancing is yet another disappointment to Miranda. I really feel like the American mindset is, I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it. And, you know, the government can't control me because I'm a free American. And... I am proud to be an American, but I am not proud to have that mindset anymore. You know, this has really opened my eyes to not even just this issue, but so many issues that, you know, I had different opinions on. And now I'm looking at it thinking, you know, maybe if I just shifted my mindset, maybe if I just, you know, thought about things a little bit differently, maybe it would actually help somebody else and be a minor inconvenience to me, you know, and I, it, it really has shifted my political beliefs. (laughs) The idea of encumbering oneself for the greater good is what Dr. Dreyfus calls good health citizenship. He explained it in an op-ed he wrote for the New York Times in June called, I'm a healthcare worker. You need to know how close we are to breaking. In it, he asked all Americans to see masks as patriotic and practice social distancing but most importantly, to support healthcare workers. Support your frontline healthcare workers and your, and your um, frontline essential workers, not just in, in applause or donuts or half-price Taco Bell, but really fundamentally asking what folks need, right? Encouraging and writing to your legislators on both sides of the aisle. This is not a partisan issue because it can't just be the minority of us who are making sacrifices in order to have us be successful long-term. So Kayla, that's a little snippet of what the experience has been like for two healthcare workers in Arizona. And like I mentioned, there are others I spoke to who did not want to be interviewed, but echoed the concerns. So I think it's fair to say, overall, the experience has been really stressful and really tiring. Of course. I can't imagine what that must feel like. I know that Dr. Dreyfus's overarching concern was the future of the industry. Did you learn anything about how healthcare could change after all of this? Well, Marjorie Baldwin said health economists are asking a lot of questions right now. So 
For example, they're exploring telemedicine and pop-up clinics at places like CVS. So if those were to become more common, that might cut costs for health providers, which would then translate to patients too. They're also wondering how public perception of the pharmaceutical industry could change after this. We provide vast majority of innovative medications. If there's going to be a vaccine for this disease, I'm betting that it will come from the U.S. and it will come from the private sector. And maybe it will give people a new appreciation for what pharma is doing. Of course, there's also the question of will people even take the vaccine? Because in recent years, we've seen parents opting out of vaccines for their children and then a resurgence in vaccine-preventable diseases like measles. So there are a lot of questions. Yes, a lot of questions, and it will be really interesting to see how it plays out. Of course, we'll keep people updated along the way, both on our Valley 101 podcast and at azcentral.com. Well, that's all we have this week. Audio in this episode came from ABC's Good Morning America, CBS 17, CBS This Morning, and PBS NewsHour. Thanks for listening to our show. Please leave us a review if you liked it and consider supporting us financially by subscribing to AZ Central at azcentral.com join. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.